it's your first time, welcome to church. Uh, every Sunday is different. <laughs> Something that we um, value very much so here is that we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We follow God's leading. Um, we don't just go through things just to go through the motions. We don't follow traditions for the sake of following traditions. We follow the Lord and we go where he leads. So if he wants to mess up the service, he, he has full authority to do so. My message this morning is called uh, The Love of the Church. I think it somewhat ties into what we've been, I guess, dealing with this morning here. Of our love for one another is what I'm talking about. Where that comes from is that that comes from actually from heaven. Kind of a, an easy way to remember what Christianity does for you is you look at our symbol, the cross, and how there's, there's a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. So God reconciles our relationship with him, and he also reconciles our relationship with one another. But the vertical has to come first. And when we do have that reconciliation with God, we love him and he loves us. That helps us love others as they love us. Helps us give love and receive love. It's all connected. Uh, back when I was heading off to university, I was, about, I was 19, 19 and naive, <laughs> and I came from being very, very involved in this church. And so when I went to Calgary, I was trying to join another church. It felt like there was this void in my life because I was so used to being very, very involved. Um, so I ended up joining actually three different congregations. <laughs> I was in church Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. But there was this weird dynamic that was going on where I was having a hard time connecting. I was having a hard time actually making friends, making any deep connections. And I was living with my, my Uncle Rob and my Aunt Elizabeth, the same Uncle Rob that was just here a few weeks ago. And I was telling him about this. I was struggling. I was struggling to connect. And he said something that I've, I've always remembered. He said, he said, Chris, being a part of three different congregations is like dating three different girls. You never really get to truly fall in love with one because you never have the time to deeply connect. You know, your heart is in three different directions. And, you know, right after I heard that, I, I quit two of those congregations, offended some people, but, and went deeply into one. And sure enough, deep connection followed. And so ever since then, I've, I've kind of headed in my head that deep connection follows deep commitment. And this morning, you know, what we're talking about is having that, that deep connection and that deep commitment to one another. This is actually one of the most important spiritual practices in our faith, being an active, loving member in Christian community and having this deep relational connection. It's often downplayed as a spiritual thing. People often don't even think of it as a spiritual thing. But really to call a spade a spade, you can't really be a follower of Jesus and not have a love for the church, a love for your fellow believers. This comes right from Jesus himself. He said, and he'll say that the marker of somebody that actually is a follower of Jesus is that they'll, they'll love their fellow brother and sister. Here's, here's one of them here in, in John 13, 34 through 36. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's the defining characteristic of our faith. To show to the world that we're the real deal, that we actually follow Jesus, 
First and foremost, what do we need to do? We need to love one another, the fellow disciples, the fellow followers of Jesus. I know that there's times that people do, you know, they go through some, some significant hurt where it is really hard uh, to love their fellow brothers and sisters. And, and when, whenever people are in, in that setting, I think, um, yes, that takes time to heal, but really when you spend more and more time with God, he will heal those hurts and he will restore that, that relationship. But more often than not, like the, the primary reason that people have for not really loving people, not really loving their fellow believer, is that's just because that's our default setting as human beings. Our, our default setting, our sinful nature is to be selfish, is, is to be fairly self-focused, self-pleasing. And so in order for us to actually love one another, we have to discipline ourselves out of our default setting. It takes time and it takes practice. It takes discipline to love one another and show that we are indeed followers of Jesus. We're going to read from uh, actually uh, the highlights of all four chapters of First John uh, this morning. And really, First uh, John really is all about love. And this is a very consistent theme of all of John's writing, really. But you'll see he, he, he really nails you know, things to the wall. He really says how important love is. He takes it very, very seriously. So we're going to start in 1 John 1, then go to 1 John 2, 1 John 3, and then 1 John 4. I'm not going to read all of those, um, just selections from them. So first, here we go, 1 John 1, right here, starting at verse 5. It says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Flipping the page over to 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. It says, And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Remember, Jesus just gave a commandment that I started with here. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those, they say, those that, who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's a very important line right there. Live as Jesus did. Over to 1 John 3. We'll do verse 10, and I'll skip on to some other ones. So 1 John 3.10. So, so now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Over to verse 14. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? 
Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Finally, over to 1 John 4, verse 7 to 12, and then I'll read 19 to 21. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. I'm going to read that line again. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Over to 19, it says, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. You'll see there's a lot of repetition in that. It's like he had the same message and he just preached it multiple times. But he's trying to hit home a point. Repetition's important. And he's saying that it's really completely incongruous. It doesn't really match to say that you love God, but you don't actually love your fellow believers. He says those two things go hand in hand. One flows right out of the other one. So kind of my first point here, which I'm just going to fly through because it's kind of negative. We're not going to hang out here. Is some of those, I'll just recap. What are some of the markers? People that don't love the church. That don't have this, this marker of true faith. Aren't showing themselves to be the genuine article. And again, I'm just quoting John here. This isn't my words. This is what he said. He says things way harder than I probably would, but here it is. First he says that those that don't love the church, they're children of the devil. They don't, are that's A, the children of the devil. B, they don't belong to God. C, don't actually love God or know him. D, are living in spiritual darkness. E, are still dead in their sins. F, are liars. G, are in disobedience to God's commands. H, don't have eternal life within them. I, don't have God's love in them. J, will have no confidence on judgment day. Sounds like a party. So you, you really can't, Say you're a Christian when you're in defiance of everything that Jesus taught, everything that he's talking about, everything that he stood for. But really, we're just going to go into the second half of the sermon here, which is really showing what does it mean to actually love each other? What is being spelled out here in this passage of Scripture? And why is it so important? This is an area we all need to grow in. We all are always continually getting better at it. You might be, uh, we're all at different points in, in this journey, but we always need more of God's love, and we always need more, more love for one another. So wherever you are in this, uh, in this journey with, with God, there's, there's no condemnation. If you're connected with God, and you're earnestly you know, seeking after him, this love for one another will grow. So secondly here, those that do love the church, 
So first and foremost, A, they emulate Jesus. We really need to look like Jesus if we are truly Christians. Jesus shows what it means to be a child of God. 1 John 2.6 says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. If you ever want to know what your life should look like, Jesus spells it out. He shows what, it, what, you know, what it, a child of God really is supposed to be. He is our example. We are called Christians because we follow him. The word Christian actually means little Christ or junior Jesuses. We try our best to follow him. It's very blatantly obvious that Jesus loves the church so much so that he refers to it as his bride. The love of his life. You can't say you love Jesus and then hate on his bride. If you, ever, if you ever tell a groom that you love them and you proceed to spit in the face of his bride, it's not a good idea. <laughs> you know, just also what's kind of strange is if you are that bride and saying you don't like the bride, it's just, well, it's kind of peculiar. To not love the church when you are the church, it's a little inconsistent. Anyways, B, those that love the church, they exhibit an ability to put others first. 1 John 3.16 and 17 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can they, God's love be in that person? So Jesus gave up his life for us, and really the only appropriate response is to be able to give up our lives for him. And that means to love the people that he loved, to lay our life down for the people that he laid his life down for. All of these people around you are people that God has died for, that he went, he went to the furthest degree possible to reconcile with them, to reconcile his relationship with them. And so we have to follow his lead there and do what we can to reconcile our relationships with one another. Someone who actually loves the church is willing to put other people's needs above their own to lay their life down, their wants, their preferences, preferences their ways. They'll, they can have a we focus instead of a me focus. They don't come to church just to receive. They come also to give, to bless other people. Jesus says we have to pick up our own cross and follow him, deny ourselves. So Jesus, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's, you know, the... His name was above every other name, but notice throughout his entire ministry, he was constantly willing to lay his life down and serve people and take the lowest position possible. In one specific instance, he even takes on the position of a servant, the lowliest of all servants, the one that washes people's feet of mud and manure when they come in the door. He did that for his disciples. Was he overqualified for that? Yeah. But he went ahead and did it anyways because he's willing to lay his life down. I can 100% guarantee you that there's, if Jesus, you know, is, is able to do something that he's definitely overqualified for, there, there's, there's really no act of service that you'll ever be overqualified for. Or you shouldn't ever put yourself in that position. We follow his lead. If he's willing to serve in the lowliest of low positions, we should be too. Secondly, we should be willing to help, help a brother out, help a sister out. When we see someone is struggling, whether it's financially, whether it's emotionally, whether it's spiritually, 
should be willing to give of ourselves to help them. We should be the greatest servers in the world. We should be the greatest givers in the world. We should be the, you know, the greatest helps to each other in the world. And when we do that, it actually deepens our love for one another. See, it says repeatedly, Christians that love the church, they repeatedly prove their love with action. See, to really be a Christian, to really be a lover of the church, to really love your fellow believers, it's not a one-time thing. It's not something you just say. It's something there's a lot of evidence to prove that it's true. See, love is a verb. It's not something we just speak about, and it's just a real thing that's, you know, in the atmosphere. No, no, no. It's action. If we say we love each other, there should be a lot of action that proves that that is the case. 1 John 3, 18 and 19 says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Now, someone that says they love Jesus or they love the church, but then they provide zero evidence whatsoever that they actually do love the church. It's not someone you should believe. (laughs) Really, if there's never any evidence to support a claim, don't believe it. Real Christians should leave a track record of love. There should be a resume showing how they love. A love that is seen, a love that is felt, a love that is experienced, and a love that is observed. They should leave a bunch of loved people in their wake. There should be a bunch of people who can testify of how that person has loved them well. Fourthly, those who love the church, they have fellowship with God and others. If you truly love somebody, you spend time with them. You don't neglect them. You go out of your way to show them how much, you, how much they mean to you. You're a part of each other's lives. And, when, you know, and a genuine Christian, someone who's really adopted into God's family, they're going to act like family. And family sticks together. Family has fellowship. Family spends time together. Family has a deep relational connection. That is what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. It's one of those things that naturally follows, should naturally follow a relationship with God. Living in his light, living in a relationship with him. It should show, uh, right after that, we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship with other people who are also living in the light. So genuine Christians, we should regularly be fellowshipping with one another. We should regularly be fellowshipping with God, and that love will fuel our love for each other. If you ever find yourself with a lack of love for each other, and maybe a no desire to fellowship, you have to restore that vertical connection and say, God, could I have more of a download of your love? Could you show me how much you love these people? You know, it's not enough just to be in, you know, in the vicinity with each other. That's not really fellowship. Fellowship is really having deep familial relationships, being brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, there's, there's no lone wolves in God's wolf pack, okay? Genuine Christians, they show they're a team player. 
I have to remind myself, you know, I'm, oddly enough, I have a very strong introvert side and a very strong extrovert side. And there's times that, yeah, I, frankly, I feel a lot like being antisocial. I'm sure you can all relate. That happens sometimes. But I have to remind myself, I need to go out of my way. I need to go out of my way to show people that I love them. I need to put in the effort to show people that they're my family and I care about them and I love them. E, people that love the church, they're encouragers. I'll just bring a verse in here from Hebrews 10. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God has trusted us to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, part of this relationship that we're supposed to have with one another is that we build each other up. We build each other up in our most holy faith, we spur each other on to good works. We lift each other up. See, our fellowship with each other, it's not passive, it's active. Again, our love, there should be evidence to prove that it's the case. It should be our desire when we come here on Sunday morning to say, I'm here to lift others up. I'm here to help my brothers and sisters run a good race of faith. I'm here to speak encouragement into their life. I'm here to build them up. I'm here to spur them on, spur them on to good works. I'm here to lift them up and to help carry their burdens. But it's a very, very active love that's not passive. So in conclusion here, it's literally a command of Christ that we're to love one another. We love as he has loved. We follow his lead. This should be an area we are constantly trying to grow in. There's always more of God's love. There's, we can always love better. We can always love more. We should always be looking to have more of this from God so we can spread his love around. See, loving one another is just as much an act of worship as singing and raising hands. Loving one another is just as much a spiritual gift as prophecy or speaking in tongues or praying for healing. It is an absolutely critical component of the faith. So much so that Jesus says it is what marks you as true believers. Saying that you're a Christian, but not having any deep familial relationship, any deep family connections with other Christians is actually being an orphan. And Jesus didn't, didn't come to earth to get a collection of orphans. He came to make us all sons and daughters of God. See, an orphan is someone that lacks a support system, and that is not Jesus' intention or desire for us. He wants us to, have, to be surrounded by a, a beautiful support system, to be surrounded by a bunch of brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandmas, to have this family that is, that is backing you up and helping you run the race of faith. But when you also refuse to engage, refuse to love your fellow believers, when you have that orphan spirit, not only are you being deprived, but you are also depriving others. You deprive your brothers and sisters of your gifts, your talents, your encouragement, your support, and so much more. 
You deprive people of getting to know how much God loves them through you. 1 John 4.11 says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. His love is brought to full expression in us. So when you emulate Jesus and you begin to love one another, people are seeing the full expression of God's love. God is moving through you to draw people closer to him. You are playing a part in in drawing people closer to God. See, every person in this congregation has a part to play in drawing one another closer to God. Even the children. See, this week, actually before I had written my message, um, I was especially blessed by a a young lady that's in our congregation. She's a preteen in my youth group. And God used her to minister to me. So on Wednesday, I was preparing for youth. I was going through this devotion book I had. I picked out a story in this, in, this, in this book that I wanted to read. And after I'd finished reading it and kind of setting my plans, I went to go grab a bookmark, you know, to save my spot in the book. But I didn't have a bookmark. I have a lot of books on the go. That's kind of a very common thing for me. But I didn't have any bookmarks. And I'm not, um, I'm a very particular human being. I don't like to turn the corners on the page and, because um, I'm just really particular about keeping things in really good condition. So I, as I'm sitting there in my office, I'm like, oh, I need another bookmark. So I grabbed a sheet of paper, I ripped it in half and shoved it in the book. It was, it was an ugly looking bookmark, but I was like, whatever, it's going to have to do. But I thought every time I looked at that thing, I said, I need another bookmark. So just before youth was about to begin, I realized, oh, I forgot my book in my office, and I started to go walk to grab my book. And just as I'm walking to go get that book with the ugly bookmark that I created inside, a little girl named Maddie walks through the door, and she hands me a bookmark that she made for me at school that day. And it's in my exact favorite color and my exact favorite shade. And on it, it says, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. See, it showed me that God even knows my fleeting thoughts. I wasn't praying to him for a bookmark. I was just complaining. <laughs> and I was being, you know, the ultra particular about, I don't want to turn the page on this, or turn the corner of the page, you know. I like my bookmarks. And God knew that about me. He knows, he knows my favorite color right down to the shade. And he just wanted to show me, I care about even the littlest things in your life. And he used a little girl to do that. See, we don't, we don't often realize the impact that these little acts of love can be. God says that even you know, in, the, in Scripture, even bringing someone a glass of water who's thirsty can mean a lot. But when we're obedient to God, when, when we really have that relationship with him, we'll go, we'll go ahead and do these little acts. And just trust God with them and say, God, I, I don't know why you wanted me to do this, God, but I'm just going to trust you with it. And he'll take it from there. So when we're being obedient to God, we will actively and, and, and try to pursue ways to love one another. We'll look for that. We'll say, how can I welcome someone better at church? How can I build someone up better at church? How can I encourage my brothers and sisters today? How can I help people encounter God today? 
See, his love is expressed through us. So in summation this morning, love one another. Love your brother. Love, love, love. Give it, receive it. Spread it all around. And it's then 